welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Right, brilliant. So we are going to continue now in our basic value series as we look at the things that we value most as a church. We're doing a five-week series this is week three. Uh, of our five-week series where we look at the, the things that we really value as a church. And so uh, we started week one, Julian look, um, led us through looking at the fact that we we, that we stand on the rock, which is Jesus and his truth. And I just want to encourage you, if you didn't hear that, if you've not um, seen that, you can go to our website and watch that or download the audio. You can also go to YouTube. Uh, you can also uh, access the podcast from our from your podcast providing you like to use uh, but i'd encourage you to listen to these even if you don't tend to listen to any others listen to these because like i said these kind of kind of say what our dna is what we want what we're building what we we value most as a church <laughs> and um before i get into what we're going to talk about today i want to read uh, this piece of scripture from matthew 7 this is matthew 5 6 7 it is jesus's kind of mandate it's jesus's kind of um Jesus kind of goes up this hillside and he does this this preach which tells everyone kind of what he's about, what it's the kingdom is about. And he ends this this message, he ends this message with this little story, this this little parable that he tells in Matthew 7, verse um, 24, 27. And he says this, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I'm going to pray before we get in any further. So Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this time of worship, this time in your presence, God. And I, I pray that as we continue to unpack the, this verse, continue to unpack our values as a church, God, you would you would excite us again about what it means to be your church, what it means to be about your, your body, what it means to, to be a people who want to see your kingdom grow, not just in, in South Shore, not just in Blackpool, but right across the far coast, from, from Fleetwood to St Anne's, from South Coast to, to Kirkham, and, and beyond, Lord Jesus. We want to see your name famous. We want to see your name glorified, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that you would stir our hearts for a passion for your name, a passion for your name, and a passion for those who don't know you. Amen. So, we have this... This, um, Jesus tells this story. This is basically the story kind of that inspires the, the title of this, this, um, this series, Standing on the Rock, because Jesus, Jesus tells the story of these two guys. Okay? One of them builds, build, builds a house on a rock, the other one builds a house on sand. And as you look at these two houses, you wouldn't know that there was anything different about them. They both, you know, imagine a house, imagine your dream house, whatever. They, this is what these houses look like. They both have bedrooms, they both have bathrooms, they both have kitchens, um, lounges, whatever. Okay, I know this is, he's telling us in the first century, but you can adapt this to what you believe, what you should think a house should look like. Okay, and, and these houses all look great until trouble comes. 
until things go wrong, you hear Jesus says, you know, the, the rains come, the winds blow, the floods, floods rise up. And, and this is just metaphorical language, basically saying that trouble comes. You know, he says, he says that, you know, that the sun shines on the good and the bad. And, and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Bad stuff still happens to us. We can still experience unemployment. We can still experience um, disease. We can still experience uh, illness. We can still experience financial troubles. We can still ex experience kind of breakups and heartache. They happen to everyone. But what Jesus says in this parable ultimately is that, that, that what happens is, is if, you're, if you're building your life upon him, upon his truth, then when these things happen, when these things happen, when the rubbish happens, when the storms happen, you will be secured. It's not going to be nice, but you are secure in him. Where if you place yourself on what the world says is true, what the world says is good, what the world says you should and shouldn't do and shouldn't, shouldn't believe in, what's good and right for you to build your life on, if you build your life on that, it's like sinking sand. And when things, these things happen, ultimately, your life will fall apart. And so Jesus tells us, he tells us to stand firm on his truth, which was our first value that we looked at last, we looked at two weeks ago. But what he also tells us is that actually that, that in what we, we desire as a church is that we don't just want to believe what he says, we want to experience it as well. We want to, we don't, we don't just, as, as we said last week, we don't, the stuff that we read in the Gospels, the stuff that we read in Acts, in, in the Epistles, and stuff like that, we don't want to just believe and say, okay, those things can happen. We want to experience those things. We want to be a church that experiences Jesus. That doesn't just believe that Jesus is there, but a church that knows that we experience him. And like we said, that yes, we want, we want to see signs and wonders. We want to see um, the, the spectacular, we want to see the miraculous, the supernatural. But ultimately, we want those things not because of them in and of themselves. It's great when someone brings a prophetic word. It's great when someone can pray for someone else and they get healed. But that's not, we don't want them in themselves. We want those things because they ultimately point to Jesus. They point to the Savior. You see, and ultimately, what we want to be is a church that does and acts according to what Jesus tells us to do in his word. And I think there's, there's nothing more that, that tell, that where Jesus tells us what to do, then at the very end of Matthew, it's called the Great Commission, where Jesus just comes to his church then, and he's, he comes to him and he says, this is what my heart is for you as a people. And so this is what he says, I'm going to remind us, it says, Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we've got Jesus, Jesus' word is telling us to go. But also his spirit, where he says, actually, you're not alone. I am with you always. And Christian, do you know this? It doesn't matter how alone you feel. How alone you feel, you are never, ever, 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 ever alone. Jesus is always, always, always with us. And actually that takes us to our third value. It's actually that we want to be a people, we want to be a church that doesn't just hear Jesus, 
that doesn't just experience him, that we don't just stand on the rock, there's Jesus and his word, we don't just stand on the rock, there's Jesus and his presence, we, but we stand on the rock, Jesus and his salvation. That Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. Now guys, we live in, a, we live in an area, you know, up and down the far coast, there are about 210,000 people who live you know, from Fleetwood to, to St. Anne's. They, and they are their neighbours, their co-workers, their school friends, their mums, their dads, their brothers, their sisters, their grandparents, their Amazon delivery drivers, their whatever. You know, and I remember, I remember um, my story is, you know, a little bit of my story is that um, I, before moving here a few years ago, I had, I, 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 I'm an electrician by trade, and I had a job for a couple of weeks in Blackpool. We were living in Lancaster, and I had a job there for a couple of weeks in, in, in Blackpool. And uh, God had already stirred it on my heart, on Jen's heart, that Lancaster, we weren't going to be there forever. And God had um, prophetically spoken over us that we were like a stone, that us going to Lancaster, we were going to skim, hit, kind of like a skimming stone, we were going to go hit Lancaster, Ripples would be formed, but we would jump to somewhere else. And so we got to this stage um, of living Lancaster. We were like, okay, we love this town. We love this town, but we thought God is calling us off. Where's that going to be? And um, I had this job in, in Blackpool um, and driving here every day. And I was, I was looking at the town. I was talking to people. I was um, starting to research a bit about the town. And I was like, this is a massive area. And like, to be a gathering of Christians, more than 30, you're massive. And I was like, that just can't be right. And I was like, I was looking at the church scene, I was looking at like, what well, really the lack of church scene. Um, the lack of churches that, that hold God's word, that hold his grace, that want to see his, his spirit move, that want to tell people about Jesus. And I was thinking, where is that? And I, was, I just remember driving back home one day um, in, my, in my little yellow van. And um, it was a right banger. I used to have to drive with the, this is a side note. Um, uh, I started early just in case I went long. I'm so sorry. Um, um, it was a bad, I needed to drive with the heaters on because the radiator didn't work, as in the, you know, the cooling radiator. Uh, because, because, so on hot day, on cool days, it was fine. On hot days, when you drove up a hill, um, my, my boss used to live um, out, in the, out in Boland, out some of the hills, and to get to his place sometimes, it was really steep. And, I would, I would have the I'd have the heaters on full blasts, or sometimes I'd have to stop with the with smoke bellowing out of the van. It was it was a bright tip, uh, a bright um, wreck of a van, but we loved it. Um, I don't think it lasted. I think when I left, and moved to Blackpool, it it, um, it also met its grave. Um, anyway, um, so as I'm driving home one day, um, uh, I remember saying to God, God, you've got to do something in this town, and if you don't send us Send someone, send some people, send people to this town. Because to, God, this town needs your kingdom to come. This town needs your, your kingdom. Lord God, this town needs a change. Lord God, there is a sickness. You know, there, there's a sickness across the world, but just, just looking at you know, the, the sickness of, 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 of dishonesty, of, of, of selfishness, of, 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 of mistrust, basically what we call sin. Just everywhere across this town, across this this area, 
went, and I was desperate for for the for the Lord to for the Lord to move. And actually, He did. He spoke to me. He spoke to Jen um, separately, and you know, we ended up here. Um, but we ended up here, and the reason why I was so desperate for God to either say yes, you go, or bring someone else in, is because ultimately I know that despite the sickness of sin, despite the darkness, there is an answer, there is a hope. And that hope is the church. That hope is the church. You are the hope for the darkness of this place where we live. Do you believe that? You are good. You are the hope. You are the hope. The church is the hope for this town. The church is the hope for the whole of the file. Not because we're good. Not because we're amazing. Now I'm sure some of you are pretty amazing. But not because you are amazing. But because of who he is. Not because we can do good stuff. Not because we are good at anything. No, but because he is good. Because Jesus is good. You see, we want to be a church that shares about Jesus because he's good, because he's amazing. You see, this is the story for every single one of us, that we are his children, that we are his people. And he has come not just to save us, to bring us out of the pit of hell. Actually, he has come to give us life and give us life to the full. See, he came. See, Jesus Jesus came. He said, I've come to give you life. And when he said that word, life, like so many things, if you study languages, okay, our English language can be so inept at being able to bring uh, the full meaning of it. What he says, he doesn't just say, I bring you life, which is which which um, would be like you know, biology, but the, um, your, your pulse beating, your, your, your lungs breathing, which is more like bios. That's what, what the word is, bios. He says, I come to give you zoe. Which means, I come to give you life. It's like I've got something to live for. I mean, this is life. Life, I love it. This is amazing. This is what I love to do. This is, this is amazing. He came to give us life. So he is our saviour. And what we live in, we live in a world where people settle for less than life. Where people pursue things that are less than Pure joy, pure life, life to the full. As C.S. Lewis put it, we are like, as a race of people, we are like children in the slums making mud pies when we have a beautiful, crystal clear beach on offer where we can make wonderful sandcastles. Jesus, Jesus comes to give us life and life to the full. And I want that for me. I want that for you, and as Julian, week one, I've got us to stand, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but um, I've got us to stand up and look out the window. He, he wants that for them out there. He wants them to have life, and I want people to have life. Stop wasting what they have to stop chasing after things that don't ultimately satisfy. That's why I want to tell people about Jesus. That's why I want us to be friends, make friends. And tell people about Jesus because I want them to have life and have it to the full. You see, as as a church, we we want to be committed to love and reach those who don't know Christ. See, we believe that Christ exists to continue the work of Jesus, who still saves people from their sins, heals the sick, mends the brokenhearted, and cares for the poor. Our desire is to be a people that shares the love of Jesus wherever we go. See, John 3.16 says this, he says this, that God so loved the world 
that he sent his one and only son. He sent, he went, he came down from heaven and came to us so that, so that he could wag his finger at us and tell us that we were awful and, and naughty, naughty boys and girls. No, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We want the world to know him. Not, not so that we can say, you're wrong, I'm right. No, because we, want, we know this amazing life that's on offer to us, that's on offer to every single one of them. John Piper um, once said, it's kind of a, 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 a reworking of the Westminster Catechism. He said that mission exists. We tell people about Jesus because worship doesn't. And that's not because God's kind of this grumpy old man in the sky who says, you must worship me or else. No, it's because he's a God who created us to worship him and him. And when we worship him, we realize that that's what we were created to do. It is the best thing that we could possibly ever give our lives over to. And when I say worship him, I don't just mean sing on a Sunday some great songs. What I mean is lining our lives up to the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. Lining our lives up to who he is. Living every part of our life in line with what he says is good and true. And when we do that, Jesus says we find life, we find Zoe, real joy. Joy beyond all understanding. See, and that's what I want. I want, and I hope you do as well, I want to see person after person who is walking away from Jesus turn and follow him. That's what I want. I mean, I pray. I pray every time we get together pretty much. I pray that God will bring salvation. I pray for baptisms. I pray that people would get saved. I, I, love, I love baptisms because baptisms are a sign that someone has, was, was walking this way. And then they have they've met with Jesus, their life has turned around, they, they repented, they turned 180, and now they are following Jesus. And then as a sign of that, we baptize them, we, we get them wet. So let me ask you, what does a church look like that has sharing Jesus? I hope you're excited about sharing Jesus, but what does it look like about, what does the church look like that shares Jesus? That shares him, that has sharing him at their heart. We, and we, if we had, you know, we're looking into ways that we can get more of our stuff. We have more stuff than this. We just can't store it anywhere. So um, we're looking into ways to be able to do that. And if we did, we would. We, we one of the things we'd have would be a couple of banners up here. And um, uh, they, I, I deem that they could could not make it in the car. Um, uh, but they, which which one of them says on it has well, they both which have a, our strap line on it which is the, to, the Christchurch platform bringing the, bringing the life of Christ to a lost and broken world. And that's a really good strap on. I was really proud of myself when I was that. But, <laughs> but as a strap line in itself, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but strap lines mean zip. If we don't actually, if we don't, if they don't, we don't affect the way that we live. You know, so what does it mean to be a church that's sharing Jesus at its heart? What does it mean to be a church that desires to, to bring the life of Christ to this lost and broken world? Well, I'm going to read a, a chunk of scripture 
And, um, and you might initially think, why is he reading this? How does this show us what it means to be a church that shares Jesus, has Jesus in their hearts? Um, and hopefully, I will explain it to you. But if not, just enjoy the, enjoy these verses because I love them. This is probably my, one of my favorite bits of scripture um, in the entire Bible. So I'm going to read to you um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. And I'm going to interject a little bit. It starts off with this, okay? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of the world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we we by nature were deserving of wrath. Let's just stop there, okay? How does this have anything to do with sharing Jesus? What does this have anything to do with it? I mean, if, if you're a if you've ever been a gospel preacher, if you've ever preached the gospel or whatever, or kind of told someone that the gospel, this is what we would call kind of traditionally, this is the bad news bit. Okay? This is the bad news bit. Basically saying, so you know, um, we're all we all deserve God's wrath. We all deserve God's punishment. But what I want to get out of this is how this helps us in being a church that has sharing Jesus at its core. It helps us be a church that's bringing the light of Christ to a lost and broken world. Is that actually first, we need to understand that we were dead. That we were dead. That we weren't just asleep to God. We weren't just disinterested in God. We were dead. And it doesn't matter how lifelike someone looks, they're dead. And so and we were all hopeless cases. You were a hopeless case. You know, we all needed someone to do something. Someone to do that we couldn't do. Romans 3 says that we, have all, we all fell short. See, the Bible tells us how to live. The Bible tells us how to, how to live a life that's pleasing to God. But we have all fallen short of what God has of God, what God has asked to do, how God has desired us to live. See, from the moment that our first parents messed up in the garden, that they chose to desire, uh, what they chose to, 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 to live life in light of what they thought was good and evil, rather than what God said was good and evil, we've all done the same thing. Therefore, therefore, we've all fallen short. And I don't know if you've, you've ever, ever, um, ever been in this situation that actually that where maybe when you became a Christian we realize actually that how far we are from God how far you know, sometimes we think you know that, that God's God might look at us and think well they're pretty good well compared to the rest of humanity I am pretty good or whatever you know but actually when we become a Christian we, we, we sometimes kind of realize uh, instantly almost sometimes of how bad we were. Look, Martin Luther, great reformer, he said this, the more we try, the more we realise how far we are. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know if you, when you became a Christian, some of you may be able to resonate with this. It's, you know, you become a Christian, it's like amazing, full of joy, wonderful, my life's been saved. And then maybe, maybe the enemy, maybe through a voice of another Christian, I don't know, says, well, now you're a Christian, you know, you really should start reading your Bible. You really should start praying more. You really should start doing this, that, and the other. And you're like, oh, 
oh no, I'm not sure I can do this Christian stuff. I'm not sure I can please God. And then kind of time goes on, and 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 and, and, and the enemy kind of whispers in your ear, kind of like, how are you doing, you mighty Christian? How are you doing? And you're like, I'm doing pretty good. Do you know what? I've started one of those devotionals. I read the Bible every single day. I'm doing great. Oh, that's impressive. How are praying? Maybe there's something else. Oh. Right, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then later on, okay, the, 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 the enemy the enemy comes to you. And he's like, and he's like, how are you doing? I've, I've been praying, I've been praying. And guess what? I'm even in, I'm even continue, I've even continued, it's a couple months down the line, I've even been continuing with my Bible reading. Look, look, I'll show you. I'll show you. This is what it says today. It says, he shall remove the fat from the bull of the sin offering. All the fat that comes from the connected internal organs, both kidneys with the fat on them near the loins, and the long loin of the liver, which he will remove from the kidneys. And you know, you hear the enemy going to you, you're getting a lot out of this, aren't you? Getting a lot. This is this is great, and you're like, no, no, I don't understand what this is talking about. Fat and cutting up animals inside it. Oh, I'm a useless Christian. And then maybe some time goes by and the enemy comes to you again and goes, how are you doing now? How are you doing now, you mighty Christian? Like, do you know what? I'm doing great. I, I, I'm reading my Bible. Do you know what? I've even got some study guides. I'm understanding it. I, 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 I've been praying every day. Do you know what? I even told two friends this week about Jesus. So there. So there. He's like, wow. You're doing amazing. I bet you're pretty proud of yourself. Yes, I am so proud of myself. I'm a... See, we can't. We fail. We just keep on failing. You know, Martin Luther goes on. He says, "Many have deceived themselves by outward appearances and have been and have been proceed to write and teach about the good works and how they justify without even mentioning faith." You see, we 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 can sometimes some of us we get this kind of continual kind of downward thing of how bad we are. Some of us we, we kind of just delude ourselves and we feel like you know we're better than everyone else, so it's okay. Um, God, God thinks I'm okay because I'm better than everyone else. And some of us, but but the trouble is, as he goes on to say, he says, we, if, if we do that, we end up wearying ourselves by by the many works that we do because we we realise internally. This is where Martin Luther was. That he he tried to he knew that he wasn't good enough for God. So he tried to do more and more and more good stuff to to give or to serve or to. Or to pray more, or to read your Bible more, or to whatever. And what they, what he realizes, and what we realize is, is it's never good enough. And we end up actually hiding ourselves away from people because we think, oh, we can't reveal to people actually how bad we are because we're trying to put, continually put, give this persona that we're better than that. But there's good news. So Ephesians goes on. It says, but, but. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us 
in Christ Jesus. So what does it look like to be a church a sharing Jesus at its heart? What does it look like to be a church that wants to bring the life of Christ to a lost and broken world? It starts off with a church that realizes that you couldn't save yourself, let alone anyone else out there. And it goes on to realize that actually, but Jesus can. Jesus can. Jesus saves. There is a God. There is a God who, as we, we came and worship, we said that who, who, who even though we turned our back on him, he ran after us. He came to this earth. He lived the life that we couldn't live. And on the cross, as he died for us, as, as Martin Luther said, that he completed the great exchange. That as, as, as he died for us, if we by faith believe in him, we get accredited to us his perfect life. And him on the cross gets our rubbish placed upon himself. You see, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, you know, the very name, the very, very name of Jesus, Yeshua, means, God, means Yahweh saves. God saves. And as Romans 5, 2 and 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, we are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. It is what we have. We have his righteousness, which means it's a gift from God to you. Which means you don't need to go in this kind of continual spiral of I'm good, I'm bad, I'm good, I'm bad. Actually, you can earn your salvation, so you can't lose it. He gave it to you. It was a gift to receive. But he won't force it upon anyone. He doesn't force it upon any of us. But when we realize what he's done and what is on offer for us, and like I said time and time and time again, it's not a case of, right, now you're saved. Go and live your life on your own. No, he is with us always. It's not a case of, right, I've got my ticket stamped so that when I die, I, I, can, I can pass into the pearly gates. No, it's where he, straight away he comes and lives with us. That we get to live life with Jesus. This Zoe, a life with Jesus, life, life to the full with Jesus. And that's what we want others to know. As he goes on, in Ephesians, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not for yourselves. This is from not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So, my question is, if God saves, if we can't save, if he does it all, so therefore, we do nothing right? We, do not, we just sit back and do nothing. It's all our God. He does it all. Well, he continues. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Church, what does it look like to be a, a people who have sharing Jesus at their heart? To be a church that's wanting to bring the life of Christ to a lost and broken world? It's a church that realizes that you can't save anyone, that you couldn't even save yourself. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a church that realizes that Jesus and Jesus alone saves. But it is a church that doesn't just sit back 
and say, right, then let God get on with it. It's a church that realises that he has ordained good works for you to do. For you to do. Each individual one of us do. Not the person next to you, though he has ordained good works for the person sitting next to you, but he has also ordained good works for you to do. He has ordained good things for you to do. See, what, what, God, what God plans is this wonderful kind of entanglement of his will and our, and our obedience. I mean, the wonderful thing is that God uses us. God uses us in his sovereign plan to bring through salvation, to bring through uh, grace, to bring through um, the growth. I mean, I, I love it. Um, we had a friend uh, in Lancaster who was from, I mean, this just kind of epitomizes it to me. This is why I love this story. We had a friend in Lancaster who was from Eritrea and, um, and had moved to the Sudan and didn't know Jesus. But, and it was in an area where you couldn't know Jesus. You know, well, not that you couldn't know, you know, it was, it was, it was illegal. It was, it, you could be killed for knowing Jesus. Some of you know what that's like. And, um, but Jesus appeared to her in a dream. Now, in that dream, amazingly, she did, so I think, okay, Jesus appeared to her in a dream, and then, okay, then she gave her life to Jesus, and that was it. No human involvement at all. No one was going to share the gospel with her at all, because it's illegal. But Jesus appeared to her in a dream, and then she went, she was then encouraged to go and, go and find this person who was a Christian and talk to them. And then this Christian led her to Jesus. I mean, that's just mind blowing. I mean, we've got we've got churches in in the in the Middle East and who 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 often tell stories of people just turning up at their doorways, saying, "I've had a dream. Would you tell me about this guy Jesus?" And it's like, well, if Jesus could appear to you in a dream, why didn't he just say, "Right, follow me now"? Why does he need me to now tell you about him? But it's the way that Jesus wonderfully does. Because I don't know about you, but part of life, and when you get this, part of life and life to the full really is being able to speak to someone else about Jesus. It, like nothing else, if you, get to, if you get to speak to someone about Jesus, whether they accept God or not, okay, if they accept Jesus, that's amazing. But even if they don't, the amazing joy it gives when we get to speak Jesus to others, because it's because we're doing what we were created to do. When you speak Jesus, you speak life. And when you're speaking life, you're doing what you were created to do. It's the very reason why we were, we, we were on this earth. We exist to bring him praise. And that means, yes, come here on a Sunday and pray and praise him. But that's just like an hour or two of a, your whole week. It means lining ourselves up with what he says is good and right and true. And part of that is when we have the opportunity to speak life, to speak Jesus into those around us. You see, maybe, maybe some of you are thinking, well, that's good and I believe that, but that's really hard. You know what? There's some people who I'd rather not speak that to. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, some people are really annoying and you think, actually, I'd rather not speak life into you. And that's, that's okay. But what I'd encourage you to do is, rather than in your own strength to say, oh, I've got to speak to this person who really don't like them. Actually, pray. Pray. Maybe you couldn't, maybe you, you're not, maybe you struggle to even pray for them. 
But pray that God would give you his heart. Would give you his heart. And as he gives you his heart, you find that you find you get a heart like Jesus, who is there on a cross being mocked and spat upon and is praying for the blessing of those at his feet. You've got a Jesus who has someone turn to him who's a thief, who deserves to be there, saying, please remember me. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, maybe you're there going, well, but I'm rubbish at speaking to people. I'm rubbish at speaking to people, honestly. Okay, I love this, because you don't speak back. Monologue's okay. <laughs> well, but in general conversation, I'm pretty rubbish, to be honest. I'm not. No, Jen. Jen is the talker. Jen's the one. <laughs> Just in case you can um, and, um, and but, but God encourages us. You know, Paul writes to Timothy, doesn't he? Who I get the impression is quite a timid guy, a guy who, who, doesn't, who doesn't put himself forward, probably isn't the best speaker. And he, he says, do the work of an evangelist. I think he was a timid guy because he says, you know, God didn't give you the spirit of timidity. He gave you the spirit of boldness. So he encourages Timothy. To, like, you know, Timothy's there going, but, but I can't share the gospel. I'm no good at sharing the gospel. He's like, no, do the work of evangelist. Keep going. Do it anyway because it's what you created to do. Paul himself, who, was the, who maybe is the greatest evangelist that this world has ever known, he says, says, he says pray for me that I may speak Clearly, that my words may be may be full of salt. You know, that, that he may he will speak life, maybe speak words that preserve. You know, what I'm saying is basically don't count yourself out. And I don't care how old or young you are, okay? Neither just because Jesus doesn't, not because I don't. Um, because Jesus doesn't care how he he, he calls us all. Actually, take this, okay, especially if you're if you're in our youth, if you are young, okay. Jesus chose twelve teenagers. The disciples were teenagers. These were guys who were who hadn't got into rabbi school, as it were. These are guys who had who had who had left school at a young age and and were going about doing their jobs because they weren't considered smart enough. To, to go into rabbi school. These were teenagers. You know, it's, it's believed that most of the disciples, that, that John, James, they, they, were, they were probably 13, 14 years old when Jesus started his ministry. Peter, maybe a bit older, maybe, but only kind of 17, 18 at max. But God used these teenagers to turn the world upside down. So don't count yourself out, whoever you are, no matter how old or young or whatever you are. God's has a part, he has ordained good works for you. And as long as you are still breathing, he has still got good works for you to do. He hasn't finished with you. He hasn't finished with any of us. So God is going to bring his kingdom. The waters, that his kingdom will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. And he has, he wants you to play a part in that. So I just want to end us on two th- on two things really. Firstly, therefore, understanding that we want to be a church that prays. If God is the one who does it, if God is the one who, if it doesn't matter how good, 
let me just encourage you, okay? Because God saves, it doesn't matter how eloquent or ineloquent or ineloquent, eloquent, whatever, how that that exactly what I'm proving now. You are, okay? He can use it. Okay, I have I have been in churches and no pride at all. I've given an amazing message. And uh, and I am frightfully and frankly stunned that no one responds to the gospel afterwards. It happens. And then I've been in messages. I mean, we had we, we've been in messages, and like who, who people have come, and honestly, the message was awful. I couldn't couldn't. It was it was non coherent. And then after the end of twenty minutes speaking, they go right. I've said all that. Who wants to be a Christian then? And like twenty hands go up. You're like, what? What? Let me just—I'm saying that because Jesus saves. He saves. He uses our words, and so you could—you could be there going, "I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I just messed that up." He can still use it. So pray, pray, pray. Firstly, pray. Like I said, pray that God would open our hearts, open our minds, would give us a heart, give us a passion for the lost. Pray that he would reveal to us what he has done, that only we, oh, sorry, only he can save. You couldn't even save yourself. As Apostle Paul says, you know, I was the worst of sinners. Pray for boldness to speak. Like Nehemiah, before, before the king, he quickly prayed for boldness, that he'd speak well. And pray that Jesus would draw the multitudes in. And secondly, act. Act. Okay, the first one, act, is pray. Because it is an act. You do need to act. There's no good just saying I'm going to pray. Act. Pray. Pray. Live your life alongside Jesus. Live your life alongside Jesus. Make friends. Make friends. Make friends from the best thing you can do. When I say make friends, so just make friends that are for you. But make friends that we all can be friends with. As in, so if Julian makes a friend, actually it's great if Julian introduces me to that friend. And then you've got two people with Christ with that and that friend. There's more Christ-like people around that person. So make friends. Invite people around your home. Have us around your home. And finally, when you get these opportunities that God has given you, take a deep breath and take it. And let's see what Jesus might do. Let's pray. Lord God, I God, I thank you, Jesus, that despite my disobedience, despite me running from you, despite my deadness, God, you did what only you could do and raised me to life. God, I thank you that you raised many of my brothers and sisters here to life, Lord God. And because you've done that, Lord God, we know the simple fact is that there's no one too far gone. There's no one who, no matter how bad or good they seem on a worldly level, there's no one who you cannot, it's not possible for you to save. Lord Jesus, so we pray, God, that you would stir our hearts for the lost. You'd stir our hearts for this town, for the town surrounding us, Lord God, for the villages, for, from, from South Shore to Kirkham, from St Anne's to, to Fleetwood, Lord God. You'd stir our hearts for the many thousands of people who live there, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we pray that you would bring in a harvest, Lord God, and you would use each one of us. Lord God, whilst there is breath in our lungs, Lord, why don't you just declare to Jesus right now, whilst there's breath in your lungs, that God has good work still for you to do. So God, use us. 
Lord God, in the words of Isaiah, send me, Lord. Send us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.com.